today. Hope you're well. Hope you're feeling happy and fulfilled. Filled with gratitude and joy. Okay, I'm not going to get too flowery here, but I do like to preach that message because life is short and fragile, and I hope that you don't spend too much time of it dwelling on things that could have been, should have been, would have been. All we have is the present. And it is a gift. That's why they call it a present. Apologies to the late great Audrey Hepburn for stealing some of her words and paraphrasing what she once wrote. So, here we are today, back together again, for one more episode in the continuing series. This is Songs and Stories, Supplemental Jazz Edition, Part 83. Seems like just yesterday I started this as a gag, and here we are, three years later, still going strong. I'll continue to do this for as long as I possibly can which should be another 30 or 40 years by my calculation, at least 40. My family tends to live long lives, so let's sit back, relax, and enjoy some classics today with the sprinkling and smattering of some modern classics. I'm going to start things off with a composition originally uh, put together by the late great Hoagie Carmichael. You may... Remember that name if you watch The Flintstones, an episode where he appeared as himself. They didn't even change his name, as they so often did for celebrities back in the day. If you recall, some of the celebrities they had on the show were Tony Curtis, who appeared as Stony Curtis, Cary Grant, who appeared as Cary Granite, the whole Flintstones theme. But when it came to Hoagie Carmichael, they didn't change a thing. So the composition that we're going to hear to begin with today, to start off the show, really tripping over my tongue this morning, written in 1927, and it's been re-recorded hundreds of times. It is, without question, an absolute jazz standard. And this is uh, a recording from uh, Oberlin College. This was live at Finney Chapel in 1953. This is the Dave Brubeck Quartet with a live interpretation of Stardust. Thank you. 
featuring the late Dave Brubeck, of course, and their interpretation of the Hoagie Carmichael classic, Stardust. As I stated earlier, it was originally written in 1927, published in 1929, and released as a single in October of 1928. Recorded a year prior, on October 31st, 1927, at Gennett Studios in Richmond, Indiana. Now, the composition is not only considered a, a standard, a jazz standard, but it is also part of the Great American Songbook. It has been recorded over 1,500 times as either an instrumental track, like we just heard, or along with the uh, lyrics written by Mr. Carmichael in a vocal version. Now, the song was recognized as a standard 13 years after it was originally rewritten and a mere 11 years after it was originally released. To become a standard so quickly is a real testament to the incredible composition skills of the late great Hoagie Carmichael. The Encyclopedia Britannica has defined it as one of the most renowned and recorded standards in all of American music. And, well, there's no question about that. The 1961 episode... The hit songwriters of the Flintstone, Flintstones sorry, featured a version by Fred Flintstone himself. And of course, this entire program, Songs and Stories Supplemental Jazz Edition, an offshoot of the initial primary flagship Songs and Stories series, this was supposed to be done as a one-off gag, featuring... Hot Lips Hulahan, Hot Lips Harry, sorry, Hot Lips Harry, who was a character on a, an episode of the Flintstones. Before he began to speak, he'd always start with, Scooloo, wah, wah, wah. Oh, wait a minute, my apologies, not Hot Lips Harry, Hot Lips Hannigan. When he was on stage, when, when he was on the microphone, performing his jazz, clarinet, the character, of course, had that smooth, cool jazz voice. He would start everything with scooloo wah 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 Of course, when he was off stage and he was no longer in character, he had a much higher-pitched, excitable-sounding voice. Here's a sample of that for you, both the intro and his off-stage banter. Scooloo-wah-wah-wah-wah. <laughs> There'll be more, like later. Hey, Hot Lips, remember me? Did uh, some disciple like Adres the leader? <laughs> Over here, HL, it's me, Fred Flintstone. Freddy! Well, for goodness sake, how are you, boy? <laughs> a long time no see. Oh, put on a little weight since you got out of high school, I see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. From season one of episode two of the Flintstones, Hot Lips Hannigan. <laughs> trumpeter, sorry. Not a clarinet, it was a trumpet, but it was hard to tell by the animation at the day, uh, you know, when the Flintstones, they... They created instruments, the cymbals on Barney's drum kit, because Barney played the drums later in the episode, was uh, the cymbal was a turtle. 
or perhaps a tortoise, I'm not quite certain. Smooth talking, hot lips Hannigan. All an act to appeal to the younger beat generation. Total beatnik persona with a beret, thick, rim, uh, black rimmed glasses, and a long, pointy Van Dyke like bo- uh, goatee. Boutique? <laughs> goatee. Hot lips Hannigan. The inspiration for this entire program, because as I said, when I started this, it was all just a one off gag, and yet. The feedback was positive, so I kept it going. But let's get back to Mr. Hoagie Carmichael for a couple of minutes here, shall we? He passed away in uh, December 27th of 1981 at the age of 82, born November 22nd, 1899 in Bloomington, Indiana. His catalog of music is, well, extensive. Virtually everything he wrote became a jazz standard. He appeared in some uh, 10 or 15 films altogether and, of course, voiced himself in the uh, 1961 episode of the hit Songwriters, Season 2 of The Flintstones. Selection of his songs, my goodness, there's just so many of them because he wrote right up until, well, he was quite old. Right into the latter stage of his life. He has a massive um, discography that you can find both online and in record stores, if you are so inclined. As for the Dave Brubeck Quartet, well, my goodness, I've waxed poetically about them for hours upon end, and I will continue to do so. But let's uh, get back to the show, shall we? This uh, next composition is from the late, great Chet Baker, that West Coast jazz impresario. This is from the album In New York. This is Blue Thoughts.
late great Chet Baker with his interpretation of the Benny Golson classic, Blue Thoughts. Recorded in September 1958 at the Reeves Sound Studios in New York City, released in 1959 on the album Chet Baker in New York. If you are new to Chet Baker, this is, um, this is a highly recommended entry into his uh, entire catalog. If you're just beginning to listen to him, I certainly recommend that you start with this album and go from there. Of course, Chet was a West Coast jazz musician from California. Passed away under strange circumstances in Amsterdam. Fell out of a window on the third or fourth floor of his apartment. If you watch the program Ted Lasso on Apple Plus TV, a recent episode which took place in Amsterdam discussed Benny Golson, sorry, my apologies, Chet Baker. Got Benny Golson on the mind. Discussed Chet Baker, his death. They went and viewed the plaque and then went to a jazz club. A couple of the characters in that program. If you've not watched the show, I highly recommend it for, well, its message of kindness. It's warm hug that the program gives you. You should discover it. It's well worth your time. Chet Baker was only 58 years of age when he died. It's entirely possible he could have lived much longer, but uh, we'll never know. The circumstances surrounding his death, as I said, are, are strange. He was found dead on the street, uh, Below his hotel room, sorry, not his apartment in uh, Prince Hendrick Hotel in Amsterdam, with serious wounds to his head, having fallen from the second story window. Heroin and cocaine were found in his room and in his body, so it's possible he was in some sort of stupor at the time. There was no evidence of a struggle, and his, his death was ruled an accident. According to another account, he had inadvertently locked himself out of his room and fell while attempting to cross from the balcony of the vacant room adjacent to his own. You can uh, see the plaque uh, placed uh, on the hotel outside on his uh, on, on on the wall in his it's placed there in his memory. May thirteenth, nineteen eighty-eight. He will live on in his music for anyone willing to listen and fee flee. Sorry. Stumbling over my words this morning. The late, great Chet Baker, trumpet player, and oftentimes a vocalist. My funny Valentine is probably his wealth, most well-known version, or most well-known recording of his vocals. It's been featured in movies and television shows ever since it was originally released. Well, I am stumbling and bumbling horribly right now, so why don't we get right back into the music, shall we? This is uh, from the album Sweet Rain. This is Stan Getz, accompanied by Chick Corea and Bill Evans. This title, uh, this composition is titled Lithia. Sit back, relax, and let the jazz take over. Thank you. 
1967 at the Van Gelder Studio in Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey. Released in the final week of July 1967. Sweet Rain. Great album from start to finish. Compositions uh, made up by other artists. Uh, the opening and closing by Chick Corea, who was also the featured pianist on that composition. Ron Carter was on the bass, and the great drumming of Grady Tate was featured very prominently in that recording. Hail Liz 
one of Stan Getz's all-time greatest albums. And the quartet's level of musicianship remains high on every selection. The marvelously consistent atmosphere the album evokes places it amongst Stan Getz's very best. I can't argue with those statements. Um, That was uh, from All Music Review by Steve Steve Huey. Uh, I think, quite honestly, he's hit the nail on the head with that. It is a spectacular record from start to finish and highly regarded and recommended. So if you are looking for a new purchase and you don't have that in your jazz collection, I'd strongly recommend you seek it out and make the purchase. Sweet Rain from Stan Getz. Okay. I believe this next composition is, well, maybe maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. It was from uh, the artist Teddy Charles, who, well, rather somewhat of an enigmatic figure in, in jazz. Teddy Charles, I say, enigmatic because, well, he kind of just went away for a while and then mysteriously came back. It's just right sort of out of the ether, if you will. He was primarily a studio musician and a record producer from the mid-50s onwards. He was the co-leader of the Prestige Jazz Quartet, and he recorded a, a, a live album, Live at the Verona Jazz Festival, Festival, <laughs> in 1988. In the last couple of years of his life, he um, just performed locally where he was living in uh, in Greenport, Greenport uh, New York. It's on the North Fork of Long Island. And that was it. He didn't tour. He just performed locally. He's, like I said, a kind of an enigmatic figure because there's a lot of, not a lot of information available about the man. But he did record quite a bit. Now, he did study at Juilliard as a percussionist. And, you know, he... Recorded and made personal appearances um, with several bands as both a, a vibraphonist um, and a, uh, an arranger. His name was uh, Theodore Charles Cohen, but in 1951 his cha- he changed his name to simply Teddy Charles. I don't know why he dropped the Cohen. Maybe he was facing some backlash. Tough to say. Either way, he... he Recorded throughout the 50s and 60s and then did nothing for, well, from about 1964 to 1989. Very little in the way of uh, a recording of as a, a band leader. As a sideman, she recorded almost never. And then with others, he, you know, there's a large gap in his recording uh, years. Again, why? Don't know. He he did. Uh, he was quite a, a prolific uh, sailor. He owned a few wooden schooners in his lifetime, and he, he loved to sail. Probably why he lived where he did. Nevertheless, let's get to the music, shall we? From the album Coolin. This is Teddy Charles. And the couple. And then, <laughs> well, let's see if I can spit this out. The title of this composition is. The Eagle Flies. This is Teddy Charles. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Eagle 
How do you like that? The Eagle Flies, from the album Coolin', recorded in 1957, released in 1959. Teddy Charles, he was accompanied on that record with um, Idris Suleiman, who wrote the composition you just heard. Idris is the trumpet player. Mal Waldron was on the piano, Addison Farmer on the bass, and Jerry Siegel on the drums. I particularly like that record, and that composition in and of itself is something that really swings, as the uh, as the cats would say, scooloo-wow-wow-wow, that really swings. Coolin' from Teddy Charles, the enigmatic Teddy Charles. Up next, a composition from Emmett Cohen, who I've featured on this show a couple of times. This uh, is from the album released October 28th, 2022, and the album is titled Uptown in Orbit. And the composition, well, goes by the same name. So enjoy this. Emmett Cohen, young man who is quite the, quite the pianist, quite the jazz man, quite the player, quite the composer. Emmett Cohen, Uptown in Orbit.
Emmett Cohen, from the Emmett Cohen Trio, from the album, Uptown in Orbit. And of course, that track was titled Uptown in Orbit. Emmett's got quite the following online, and for a jazz musician, a jazz artist, he's streamed quite a few tracks. Uh, For example, Dardanella, somewhere in the neighborhood of around uh, three million streams. For a jazz artist, that's pretty incredible. Now, if you get a chance to see Mr. Cohen play live, I highly recommend it, because his playing harkens back to, well, multiple styles of the early jazz period, or the late, late, late 50s, early 60s. He uh, emanates definitely the sounds of Oscar Peterson, amongst others influenced heavily by McCoy Tyner, and if you listen carefully, you can hear that. He uh, is the resident uh, Hammond B3 organ player at the uh, Jazz Club New York City, uh, which I just had it here in my notes a second ago. Harlem's Smoke Jazz Club. Yeah. Hammond B3 organist in residence at the Harlem Smoke Jazz Club. A Suzuki piano student at age three. He holds both jazz piano degrees from the Manhattan School of Music and the University of Miami. He was a finalist in both America, the, the American Pianist Association's Cole Porter Fellowship in 2015 and 2011 and the Thelonious Monk International Piano Competition in 2011 as well. He's played with uh, some, of the, some of the big ones like Christian McBride, Ron Carter, Benny Golson, and Jimmy Heath. Just to name a few. This young man who will be celebrating his 33rd birthday on the 25th of May this year has a very long career ahead of him. Now, I mean, for somebody who's so young, he's had an incredible career thus far. And he's featured on somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 recordings. His first album released as the band leader in The Element in 2011. He just keeps writing and recording and touring. This is a man to keep your eye on. If you are as big a jazz fan as I am, you will hear of his name for many years to come. Talented, remarkably gifted, and I'm told real sweet guy, that is, Emmett Cohen. Okay, it's about time for me to pack it in for the day. I do have a number of uh, things I need to attend to, so I will bid you adieu, and I hope that wherever you are in this world, you are happy and healthy and listening to some jazz. Till we meet again, my friends, sit back, relax, enjoy this program, and the other 82 that you can listen to at any time on Spotify, Google, or Apple Podcasts. If you really like this, do me a a small favor and subscribe to wherever it is you listen. I'd really appreciate it. Till we meet again, take care.